Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good. Well, talking to plants help them grow. Does it, does it make a difference if you run or walk in the rain in order to stay dry? Do bulls actually not like the color red? If you sneeze with your eyes open, will your eyeballs pop out? I know you might all be wondering those kind of questions right now. And actually, that is just a sampling of the kind of questions that a show that was popular for almost 20 years sought to uncover. You may be familiar with the show Mythbusters, where they would take on different questions like that, urban legends, things that maybe had been made popular through movies, and they put it to the test to see if that was something that was actually valid, like is there truth to this, or could the myth be debunked? But I would say, just in case, sneeze with your eyes closed, okay? Because I haven't seen that episode. But this morning, being Baptism Sunday, we are going to be looking at some myths related to baptism. And some might say, well, how can there be myths regarding baptism? Because baptism seems pretty straightforward. I mean, you get in the water, you go down, and you come back up. So what seems like so confusing about that, that there could be myths. But you might be surprised as we go through this this morning to discover that maybe you believe one or more of these myths that we're going to be talking about. First of all, the first myth, myth number one, baptism is a means of salvation. Uh, So when we talk about means, we're talking about the vehicle, how you get from here to there. So we all have a means of transportation. You can take your car, your bike, your skateboard. It's how you get from one place to another. So when we're talking about the means of salvation, we're talking about what is it that makes you saved? What is it that takes you from going to the point of being an uh, uh, an enemy of God to being reconciled to God, from being an enemy of him to being his friend, from being unforgiven to being forgiven and having right standing with him. What is it that saves you? And people have answered that question in a variety of ways. Uh, many people in the world believe that generally they're just good people and that their good works outweigh their bad works. Some look at their religious background or their upbringing. Maybe they were baptized as a kid. They grew up in confirmation. They had catechism class, and they did all of those things. They grew up in a good religious home, and so they base it on those kinds of things. And looking at baptism as being one of those good things they have done. But the truth regarding baptism is that baptism is an outward sign of salvation. So in the Bible, we see that there is a distinction between belief and baptism. And while it often happens at the same time in books like the book of Acts, they are distinct events. We see that in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, that's a long service, right? 3,000 people. Can you imagine watching 3,000 people being baptized? But notice 
the order that it says here in verse 41. It says, those who accepted his message were baptized. So belief precedes baptism. We see that again in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So again, notice the order that belief precedes baptism. That's why at Spring Lake we practice believer's baptism. That it's a matter of someone having put their trust in Jesus as their Savior, surrendering their life to him, and then following through with being baptized. Just as when you are married, you have a wedding ring that you put on your finger. That anyone just putting on a ring on their ring finger does not make them married, right? It's an indicator that you have made those vows, that you are committed to someone else. If you just went around and you stuck an I voted sticker on your chest, doesn't mean that you voted. It's meant to be an indicator of something that has happened. But just sticking a sticker on your chest is not what validates what you've done. It's belief always precedes baptism. Second myth, myth number two, baptism is for next level Christians. Now, this might surprise a lot of you, but I have never sold a Mary Kay product. <laughs> never in my life, Joe. Never, never in my life. And uh, one of the things that I have observed with that, and, and probably a lot of you, is that for the big sellers of Mary Kay products, they start driving around those pink Cadillacs, right? You've seen those where it's like, man, these are the Mary Kay sellers, right? You have to sell like over $100,000, if I understand this correctly, $100,000 of product within a year to have one of those pink Cadillacs. That's a lot of makeup, right? And that's only like 10% of Mary Kay sellers, okay? So not every Mary Kay seller is going, I want that pink Cadillac. I want that pink summer just saying, you know what, I just want some extra income for, for our family, or I just want to do this on the side. Not everyone is going out and being like extreme. I'm going for the pink Cadillac. Because we look at those as, man, that's just the top 10%. And sometimes when it comes to baptism, we think, well, that's for a special class of Christian. You know, those are the people that, yeah, they serve and they teach and they become missionaries. That's that elite class of believer. And, and we have this attitude that it's only for a certain few. But what we see through the book of Acts is that it was for every believer. The truth is actually that baptism is for every Christian. That baptism is not a matter of earning your stripes, like once you've been around, once you've gotten used to it, once you've been in the water for a while, but it is to be the marks of a follower of Jesus. It's a tangible expression of what has happened internally. Because as you think about it, faith is something that is difficult to grasp because it is something that's happened internally. Like right now, prove your faith. How do you do that, right? You say, well, I can demonstrate it. I can demonstrate it through my actions, 
right? The way that I talk should demonstrate that I'm a follower of Jesus. But what is the tangible expression that we have that represents what has happened to us internally? That's what baptism is all about. It's that tangible picture, that tangible expression of the change that has happened internally. We see that in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. It says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So when we are baptized, it is a physical demonstration that we have turned from living life our way and we are identifying with Jesus. It represents turning from the self-ruled life we see in verse 11. And surrendering to Christ. In Acts chapter 2, we see how they were told to repent and be baptized, to turn from their sin and turn to Jesus. Baptism is that demonstration of receiving new life in God, according to verses 12 and 13. That new life that brings about a radical change of position, that our position before God has changed the moment that we've put our trust in him. And we go from being dead in our sin to being made alive in Jesus, which is what baptism is a reflection of. Going into the waters, being completely immersed, being a picture of being dead in our sin and being raised to new life, to dying to our sin and being raised to new life with Jesus. And just as we cannot save ourselves, we cannot baptize ourselves. That salvation is a gift that we are given in the same way that baptism is something that is done to us. We can't baptize ourselves. There's no going home today and saying, you know what, I've decided I should be baptized. And so in your shower, you're getting ready and you just baptize your na yourself in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You, you can't do that. You can't just jump in your swimming pool and say, I'm now baptized. That, that baptism is a reflection of the salvation that has come to you, that someone takes you into the water and someone baptizes you. It's to be a public proclamation, just as the victory of Jesus was a public spectacle. We see that in verse 15, where in declaring our faith, yes, it is a personal decision, but it's not a private decision. And that's why, again, why we practice baptism by immersion, the picture of the burial and resurrection that is ours in Jesus. So it's important to note that baptism isn't just for a select 
few. It's not just meant to be for some Christians. It's not just when you get to a certain tier as though there were such a thing. It's meant to be for every follower of Jesus. Myth number three, baptism is a repeatable symbol of cleansing. This, this is characterized by the belief that for someone that is living for Jesus and then they start blowing it majorly. And they live life their way and then they have this moment where they want to recommit their life to Jesus and they acknowledge, man, I have blown it. I've been making some foolish choices and now I need to be baptized again because I want to feel clean again. I I want a new start. I, I want to show Jesus that I'm really serious now about my faith. And seeing baptism as like this reoccurring thing that needs to happen in the Christian life. And let's just be clear that all of us blow it. That none of us are just following Jesus perfectly as we should. We all blow it. So we're not saying that there's only a particular kind of person that blows it. But what we see is the picture of baptism is not to be this repeatable um, act that continues to happen. The truth is that baptism is a one-time symbol of conversion. We're going to see why in Romans 6. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, notice the significance of this, that our baptism is tied to the death and resurrection of Jesus, that our baptism is tied to the victory of Jesus, that when we blow it, Jesus does not need to die again. Jesus does not need to go on the cross again because now you blew it again, but that the the work of Jesus, the work on the cross was sufficient. His one-time death was sufficient for all sin, for all time. His victory over death through the resurrection was victorious for all time. He was buried once, and now he reigns victorious forever. So when we are baptized, it is a picture of that victory, of dying to sin and being raised to new life. This new position we have in Jesus, that our position in Jesus is not tied to our work, but to his. Praise God for that. 
that you're standing before God is not based on how well you are obeying this week, but the fact that Jesus obeyed perfectly. We have been set free from slavery to sin, we see in verse 6. We've been set free from the power of sin, we see in verse 7. That is our position in Jesus. Our position does not change, but our practice might. Because at any moment, we can choose to give in to sin. We can form bad habits. We may not live according to the freedom that sets us free from the power of sin. But the answer to that is not to get baptized again. It's to repent. That life is a continual act of repentance, of turning from our sin and turning to God. That is not tied to the act of baptism. And that's where baptism is a contrast to communion, where Jesus told us to take it in remembrance of him in 1 Corinthians 11. And where it says, as often as we take it, we are proclaiming his death until he comes. And so we regularly partake in communion as we remember what Jesus has done for us. And as we acknowledge our sin and confess our sin before him and acknowledge the victory that we have because of the finished work of Jesus. That is an ongoing act that we have throughout the New Testament that we still continue regularly in our practice. But baptism, we don't see people in the New Testament continually being baptized. We see repentance being necessary, but not baptism. The exception to that would be if someone was, was realizing that they were not a follower of Jesus yet at the moment that they were baptized. For instance, maybe someone was baptized as an infant because their parents were making a commitment. We want to raise our child in the way of the Lord. We want to point our child to Jesus. And now they come to a point where they're realizing, hey, I, I want to be baptized as a follower of Jesus now because I've put my trust in him that would be a case where they may want to be baptized again, where it would be believer's baptism. Or there might be another case where someone got caught up in, in the moment. Maybe they were experiencing some service and there was spontaneous baptisms happening and they got caught up in the emotion of it. They saw friends or family members doing it and they're like, I don't really understand it, but I'm going to do that. And it didn't really make sense to them. And now, having come to Jesus, they're realizing, you know what, now as a believer, I want to be baptized. That would be another example where a baptism might be necessary again. But as a practice of repentance, we just repent, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That There is not a work that we have to do to prove it that he's done the work, and we simply acknowledge what he has done on our behalf and receive it. Myth number four, baptism is optional. And this last myth might be the most hard-hitting because the other three, we could say, oh, yeah, I understand that. I get that. Yeah, I, I don't believe those things. But when it comes to this fourth myth, those that believe this fourth myth justify not getting baptized with reasons that they are convinced of. For instance, I don't like to be in front of people. I know it's important, but I just haven't found the time to do it. My story, my testimony is not that spectacular to tell. 
I'm not sure I'm ready. I've gone this far in my Christian life without being baptized. Why should I do it now? See, we can be so convinced of our reasons as long as baptism is seen as something that is optional. And as long as things seem optional, those kind of reasons seem satisfactory. Another reason people may have is because for them, they might say, you know what? It would be really embarrassing if at this point in my life people realize I've never been baptized. And I've been following Jesus for a long time, and I don't want to do that. Or someone else might say, well, I don't want people to make a big deal about me. But that's where the myth of baptism comes in. Because ultimately, baptism is not about you. Baptism is a proclamation of the saving work of Jesus. So that every life, every testimony magnifies and glorifies the God who did all the work. The God who did all the saving. That every baptism is just a reflection of his saving grace. Ultimately, it is not to highlight the individual. God is the one who gets the praise. And so the truth is that baptism is commanded. When you think about it, we have options for so many things. I mean, if you've ever gone to a coffee shop, you know options, right? Sometimes you hear the person order in front of you, and you're like, you don't even know what they say. You know, like, what is that? No whip, low fat, all this other stuff. And by the time they're done, you're like, are there that many buttons on the, on the machine that they can register all that? I try to hear that. I'm like, what? What? Or you go to your favorite place to eat and you can have your meat. How do you want it cooked? What are your sides? What would you like to drink? All these options that we have, we like options because options give us this sense of freedom. I can do what I want to do. And when we see baptism as an option, we say, well, it's not really necessary. But baptism is not an option that we've been given. Baptism is something that every believer should do, and not because I say so, not because any pastor says so, not because any church or ministry is pushing baptism, it's because it's the words of Jesus, and that's enough, right? When, when Jesus is the one doing the talking, that's enough. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Verse 19 and 20, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We see in the Great Commission that there is this command to go, to make disciples of all all nations, to baptize, to teach people to obey in Jesus. And Jesus was giving this not as a multiple choice. Hey, choose one of the above. Choose two of the above. Choose three of the above. Choose the ones you want to do. Now, Jesus was giving us a commission, not an option, because this is how his glory spreads throughout the earth, which is what it was all about in the Garden of Eden. To spread the glory of God. And so in being obedient followers of Jesus, we do those things. And thankfully, Jesus didn't see his part as an option. 
Because notice where he says that he is with us, even to the very ends of the age. And he doesn't add, if I feel like it. If things are going well. Now Jesus promises us that he'll be with us, which is what invigorates and strengthens our obedience. Because Jesus isn't just saying, hey, you know, go get busy. Now Jesus is like, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Come on, let's go. Let's do this. Let's teach. Let's, let's, let's share with other people. Let's point to this hope. Let's empower. Let's baptize. Let's spread the hope that's available. Because I'm with you. You're not just on a task. Jesus is with you. And so when we are baptized, we are just faithfully obeying what he told us to do. And we're saying, hey, I'm one of those that Jesus, by his grace, has saved and is transforming for his glory. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been baptized. I want to encourage you. We're going to have another baptism this summer. You can go on the website, go to our Next Steps page, and there is the form there that uh, is used just to let us know that you are interested in being baptized. Maybe you've been putting it off for a long time. I would encourage you to stop putting it off. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the water to be warm. Oh, it'll be warm. It'll be warm. You know what? Even in cold weather, it's warm. Don't put it off. Our track record is really good. Every one that we take down, we bring back up. <laughs> and this morning we have the opportunity just to watch the testimonies of those that are being baptized in our services this weekend. I trust that it is going to encourage you, that it is going to make you just praise God. And so we're going to watch the testimony video together. We're going to have one baptism, and then we're going to close worshiping the God that makes that possible. The God who's continuing to save, the God who's continuing to transform, the God who wants to work in your heart. So let's pray to him together. Father, we thank you. This morning, for God, your saving work, you are the one that gets all the glory. Help us to be obedient to you, whatever that is, whether that is the next step in being baptized, whether that is just being a faithful witness to you, whether that is sharing with our words this week the difference that you've made in our life, whether that is turning from some sin that we have been making excuse for, that we have been finding pleasure in, that we need to be turning away from and turning to you. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit right now, you just work in our hearts for what we need to do to make choices that honor and reflect you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.